Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. All right, Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Grab your seat, says, don't leave the service. Don't leave the meeting. Don't leave your place of familiarity. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait, everyone say, wait for the gift the Father has promised. The gift is from the Father. It's not determined on your Worthiness, it's a gift, so therefore it's a picture of His worthiness to give it to you. You receive a gift, the Father's promise that you've heard me speak about, for John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Who needs Jesus in this place? I tell you, Jesus was completely dependent on the Helper. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus performed no recorded miracles until He was filled and baptised by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. He only spoke what the Spirit showed Him. Jesus was dependent daily on the infilling and outworking of the power of the Holy Spirit. Are we any different? No. Do you know, this month, it records for me 23 months, 23 months since I ran out of fuel. Aren't you proud of your pastor? Look who's becoming a big boy. 23 months. I used to run out monthly. Often by, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, bi-monthly. Regularly. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because I ran on fumes. I just had enough to get me to the next place and I was always running behind. But do you know how I've now successfully for nearly two years not ran out of fuel? I fill up my tank. Now this may seem like, whoa, 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 whoa. But the truth was, I used to only fill it a quarter full. But now I have it full all the time and all I need is a regular top up. I used to wait for the fuel to be cheap enough and easy enough to get, that it was convenient for me, it didn't cost me as much and I would just fill it a quarter full. And I found I was stuttering and stumbling and not making it to my destination. And now my tank is filled and all I've got to do is top up my tank so that I don't run out of fuel and I haven't run out of fuel since. I think this is a picture of too many Christians that we've been filled once or twice, but we don't live filled with the Holy Spirit. So we are stuttering and we are fluttering and we are just making it to our destination. We are just making it through the day. We're just making it through our marriage. We're just making it through our devotions. We're just making it through our walk. But I feel God wants to fill you to the brim so that as you do life, all you need is a top up. All you need is a little more so that you never ever have to run dry. The power, the fuel for every Christian is of course the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, don't drive, don't go, don't leave, but wait until you've been filled or baptised with the Holy Spirit. Who needs the power of the Holy Spirit? We all do. He's the one that unlocks miracles. He is the one that is my peace and my comforter and my counsellor. He is my refiner. He is my revealer of what God is saying. He is the one that produces fruit in me. I mean, if you like coming to church because you like the feel that you get, if you like the tingles that you experience, if you like, oh, I just feel a little bit better, and maybe you put it down to the music, I'll give you a clue, it's not the music. And maybe you feel a little bit uplifted after we preach the Word, but let me give you a clue, it's not the preacher. Or maybe you've listened to someone online 
and they helped you. Can I give you a, a clue? It, it can, it, it's not the preacher that you watched online. It's the power of the Holy Spirit upon what God does through us and in us, what you experience when you come in this room. Don't attach it to a brand. Don't attach it to a denomination. Don't attach it to a person. Don't attach it to a message. Don't attach it to a song that you prefer. It is only one person. It is the person of the Holy Spirit that comes and anoints and fills and releases and imparts and sets free in Jesus' Name. I believe in speaking in that heavenly language that in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, there was evidence of speaking in tongues. I mean, who needs the Word of God? Who believes the Word of God? Well, if we do, the one who wrote most of the New Testament who taught us how to be the church was Paul. And he says in Corinthians, I thank God I speak in tongues more than any of you. Not a momentary or just occasionally, an on, constant, ongoing speaking in that heavenly language of the five instances we see of, see of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts. Four of them come with the initial evidence being speaking in tongues. And the other one we're just not sure about. To be clear, you don't need to speak in tongues to be saved. Really important. If someone's told you that, I believe theologically I'm convinced that's wrong. I'm not gonna speak in tongues today and hope there's an interpreter. I rarely do this walking down Rundle Mole very loud so I don't freak people out. Except I speak in tongues all the time to my point. My little boy the other day was like, Dad, what? how do you get, how do you get from... And he made up his own language. He's asking how he can be filled, and I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, and what does it mean? But it just means he hears it. It's regular. It's flowing in a home. That language of the Holy Spirit, that is a gift available for everyone. When the prophet Joel said, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, which Peter referred to in that moment, is an increase in faith that you need for you. If you need faith in your life, you need to speak in tongues. If you need the empowering power of God, if you need that connection between you and heaven, you need to speak in tongues. If you need edifying, you need to speak in tongues. If you need to align with God's will in your life, you need to speak in tongues. If you need to give praise to Jesus, you need to speak in tongues. It's a prayer life that I can tell you, I don't understand it all, but what I do know is it gives punch to my faith. It gives authority to what the, who the Word says I am. It allows me to connect with the Creator of heaven and earth. It's the prayer language of faith. And why I don't understand everything that I'm saying when I speak in tongues. And later we've got courses and theology to be able to help you to understand what it means. I do know this, that if I need to be strong, I need to go to the gym. If I want my faith and my relationship with God to be strong, I need to speak in tongues. It is the method that He gave me to be able to walk in what He has for me. It's a language I may not totally understand, but what I do know is that even though my mind is broken and my mind is distracted and my mind is selfish, I need to get past my own ways, my own thoughts, my own history, my own beliefs, my own whatever. And when I begin to speak in that heavenly language, it's a way of bypassing Josh and having a direct connection, a direct understanding and a direct alignment with the Creator of the heaven and earth that has good for my life, that has the best for my life. When I begin to speak in tongues, I become alive in my spirit and I begin to connect spirit to spirit with Him. And I believe it's available for everyone. I was filled at 10 years old in my parents' bedroom as they prayed for me and just had faith that if I had faith, I could receive. It wasn't a watered down kid's Holy Spirit. There isn't a kid's Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit. And I was filled as a kid. Shana was filled about 25. Came from an awesome Baptist church. 
just never was filled with the Spirit. I prayed with her, wanted to be, when she was asleep, I would like, Baba, she's sick, eh? Never got filled with me. One time she was in a different church where I wasn't in the middle of worship, no one laid hands on her, and all of a sudden in the middle of worship, she started singing in tongues. I was both pumped for her and bitter that I didn't get to pray for her to be filled. More pumped than bitter. I prayed for, so, I prayed for thousands of people, olders like this, that's been filled with the Spirit. And sometimes they don't get filled in this moment, but they go home and they're in bed that night and they've got worship on. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of God enters their room. And without anyone else being there, they get filled with the Spirit. I believe it is available for you. And today you can receive the anointing and the power and the authority that He has for your life. Two quick pictures God's given me of late. One picture in worship the other day was, I was like at the Murray, it was the river I know, it was dirty, it wasn't clean. And I was on the embankment and I see these gates that are open. It's a picture that God has invited us into His presence, into His river. Whenever you see a river, a river is a picture of the Holy Spirit. A river is a picture of life-giving power. A river is a picture of flow. And He shows a picture of a river. And I saw the worship team, which represents the church, they go in first, biblically. Uh, they, I saw the worship team go into the river. It, wasn't, it didn't go knee deep, I saw them go right in. I felt God say, there's been an, open for, an opening door and we've been entering into the presence of God, except after a time we got out and went about life and then came next week and we got back in the river again. I felt God saying, I haven't called you to visit the river, I've called you to live in the river of God. And that when as a church, we don't just enter in and enter out, enter in and exit again. And he's saying, when we begin have a hunger afresh for living in the Holy Spirit, I actually saw us in the water and it was fully submerging us, but we weren't drowning. We actually formed like gills, it was weird. But you know, and, and but there was breath in the river and there was vision in the river and there was language in the river and, and there, was, there, was, there was more and abundance in the river. And I feel like God's saying, I've called us to enter into a new season of abiding and resting and waiting and living in the Spirit of God anew. And prophesy that in Jesus' name. Another picture God gave me at the start of the year was of a bag of soil. It was good soil. Soil represents life. Soil, uh, so essential in Scripture. And it was a bag, and it had on the front of the bag three big ticks with stars. Tick, tick, tick. And it was like God said, well done. The, the church is healthy. The church theologically and relationally and missionally and what we are doing, it felt God say, awesome, healthy church. Look. And I felt God get a big spoon and come and just stir it all up. And it all became to get out of the bag and get all over the ground where it would be, but it wasn't safe, it was stirred up. I feel God saying there's something of purity and health that's going on in our church right now, but He doesn't want us to stay safe in the place we are. He actually wants to stir us up and mix us up so that He can plant seeds that result in a harvest. But it doesn't come from just being healthy and good and fantastic doing church services, but God's called us to see this heavenly spoon come in and stir up the church and move us to more. I believe He's given us an invitation to enter into the place of the Spirit to have things shaken up a little bit. I'm okay with messy church. Is anyone okay with messy church? Or we just see the seed and the impartation of heaven take us to a new place. So let me quickly preach to you. Second Kings 5, verse one to three. I'm not gonna preach long. I wanna inspire you with a word I know God gave me for today. And we're gonna open up this altar. And I just want you to make a decision right now. You're not staying where you are. 
Oh, there is the anointing of God is wherever we are. But let me tell you, there's something about a step of faith. There's something about a positioning, a hungering, an impartation, a laying on of hands. And you may come today to do church and stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. I want you to make a decision while I'm preaching that there's more, there's a fresh filling, there's a fresh outpouring. Leader, worship leader, connect group leader, this is for you as much as it is for the person that's never been filled before. He's calling us all to be baptised afresh. Amen. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 3. Now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders came from Aram and had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman in Scripture is the only person in the Old Testament that gets healed of leprosy. And of course, we see one of the great miracles or a couple of the great miracles that Jesus does is of course the healing of leprosy, of lepers. So this story really matters and it's a picture for us. Naaman was a commander of the king's army. Naaman was a man that was successful. Naaman was a man that had authority. Naaman was a man that had respect. I love that we come into church and you guys walk in authority. You guys look respectful. You guys have success. You're here, you've made it. However, he has a sickness of the flesh. And this is a picture of you and me, that even though we know God and maybe you don't know God today, I pray you find a relationship with Him and talk to us after. Naaman had a sickness of the flesh. Every one of us have a sickness of the flesh. It's called sin. And it causes me to live in a place of worldly thinking, of selfish thinking, of natural thinking, of natural existence. We all have a disease and it's called sin. So Naaman has his public life. In his public life, he's much like you and I. He is seemingly successful. He has it all together. He's had some victories in his life. He's got some money in his life. He's doing well to everyone else, except he also has a private life. And in his private life, he has leprosy. And he's able to cover it up for a while. He's able to look like he has it all together for a while. But Naaman is all too aware that eventually his private life is gonna be seen in his public life. What Naaman needs is a miracle. If you came here today and you need a breakthrough, you need a miracle, you need a provision, you need a deliverance, you need an answer from heaven, I want to tell you, I believe that the miracle working power is available today. I believe that the miracle you need is actually found in the river of God. And what is a part of your life and an inconvenience or maybe even a death sentence over your life can be changed, healed and restored and doesn't need to be that way forever in Jesus' name. Come on, in Jesus' name. That would be the play in Jesus' name. Now don't do it now, you just gotta do it off your own accord. But when you hear that's a clue to say, I agree in Jesus' name, let it be done. So it goes on in verse four to seven, says this, Naaman went from his master and told him what the girl from Israel said. The king says, by all means, the king of Aaron replied, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, with this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you so you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send me someone to, be, to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. What does Naaman do? 
Naaman is a man of authority, so he goes to another man of authority to get what he needs. Naaman is a man of resource and finance, so he goes to another man and tries to use his resource and his finance to get what he needs. And he goes to a natural means. He goes to another king. And this king says, are you kidding me? What can I do? I am not a man. Am I God? Only God can do what you're asking me to do. Can I tell you, there's too many people that need a miracle in their life, need an answer in their life, need a breakthrough in their life, need deliverance or help in their life, and they go to find another authority in their life. They go to find another leader. They go to find another person. They go to find another job. They go to find another relationship. They try to use their resource to buy an answer. They try to use what they've got to find a way through. But I'll tell you, there's no other man, there's no other thing, there's no other job, there's no other breakthrough, there's no other answer that can give you what you need like the river of the Holy Spirit, like the power of God. There is no shortcut to living your best life in God. There is no way you can outthink your problem. There is no way you can outthink Him. There is no way you can buy your solution. There is no shortcut. There is no way you can fake it. I wanna tell you, if you came to get something from me today, I am just another person. I am just another king. I'm just another priest. I am not God, but I know one that is available for you today. I know an answer that there is for you today. I know the hope that there is for you today. And it is the person of the Holy Spirit that can heal you, restore you, and set you free in Jesus' name. So the story goes on. And Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel turned his clothes. Elisha hears this. He sent him this message. Why have you turned your clothes? Has the, have, the man, have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash yourself seven times. How many times? Seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not these other rivers better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash off in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants came to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, what have you not done it? How much more when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. He gets a word from God to go to a river he doesn't wanna go to from a person he hardly knows on the word of a servant and say, baptize yourself seven times, again in the River Jordan, a dirty, mucky river he never wanted to go to and he gets his miracle. Can I tell you this? There is a servant that says, I know someone. In the same way, the servant of all servants, Jesus said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Some of us want Jesus to be here with us forever. Some of us want a more convenient answer. Some of us just wanna rely on Scripture and Scripture is powerful. And some of us want a pastor in every moment and a pastor is helpful. But I'll tell you, Jesus said, it'd be better I go because I'm gonna send you the helper. I'm gonna send you the answer. I'm gonna send you the one that can see. I'm gonna send you the river. I tell you, Naaman's ability, who needs a miracle today? Here's a touch of God today, so many of us. 
Naaman's ability to receive his miracle was connected to his obedience to get in the river. You say it again. So I believe the old is a picture of the new. Naaman is a picture of us. Naaman's ability to get his miracle, his breakthrough, his answer, his peace, his healing, was directly connected with his willingness and obedience to get in the river. I believe for so many Christians that are loved by God and love God, no scripture uh, uh, that in church, our ability to get a miracle from heaven is directly connected with our obedience to live a life where we are constantly in the river of the Holy Spirit. We are required, Naaman was required to have a humility to be able to get in the river. Do you know to get in the river, he had to expose his flesh. To get in the river meant he had to get a little bit messy. Now those robes that he was wearing, those clothes that he was wearing, they would have represented his authority. They would have represented his position in the army. It would have represented who he was in the nation, but it wasn't who he was as a person. It was who the healer was and where he had to go. It wasn't what he had done. It wasn't what he had done for God. It wasn't how he had succeeded in his life. It wasn't his finance that made a way. It was him being willing to get rid of those things. Come on, and the team can come. See, this river that he had to go into was messy. It was not clean. What he wanted was someone, come on, if you're on the tears or the balcony, give me a wave today. Hello. What he wanted was a pastor from a distance to say, you can get a touch of God. And hello, will he just wave his hand at me? I thought he would come and wave his hand at me and I would get what I need. Too many people wanna come into the presence of God, stay in the safe place we are, wave our hand and it's done. Can I tell you the rows we have in church are for practicality. They're not for your safety or your restriction. Sometimes we need to be willing to get out of the place we know and get to a place of encounter. Come on, now you've gone quiet on me. Too many of us want to come in, find our seats, sit down, know what we know and not be willing to move to a place where we don't just have a hand waved at me, but we get a hand laid on me that allows for the impartation that we see in the book of Acts so we can get filled afresh with the river, with the power of the Holy Spirit. I think some of us need to be willing to get in a river that looks a little bit messy and is flowing a little bit too quick and maybe seems a little bit too muddy, but maybe it's the very river God's calling you to get in. He's saying, I don't want just Neat, neat, nice, perfect, predictable church. I want a people that's so in the river, so filled with the fire of God, so unpredictable like my early church. They, the church in those early days, the power of God and the explosion of souls went way faster than their comfortability, their predictability, their natural ability, their check boxes that they had. It wasn't that they could just go in a little, they had to go in all the way. I love this about Naaman. He doesn't go ankle deep. No, he baptises. He goes all the way in. How many times? Seven times. I don't go into the numerology of all of that, but this is what I do know. Even when he was baptised once, he had to be baptised again. If you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit before, it's not just one. You gotta be baptised again. When you're a kid, you get taught, don't ever, well, the worst thing you could ever do at a party is double dip a chip. Don't you double dip a chip. If you see someone going back a second time, even if you're like totally introverted, you're like double dip. Because you just don't want anyone, too many people visit a gym only once. Too many couples go to marriage counselling only once. 
Too many people are filled with the Spirit only once. Now I'll tell you, God's plan for, for Naaman was that he would be baptised and then he would be baptised again and he would be baptised again and he'd be baptised again and he'd be baptised. I say, God's plan for your life in the Holy Spirit is that you'd be baptised again, you'd be baptised again, you'd be filled again, you'd be touched again, you'd be marked again, you'd be anointed again. In Ephesians, when it says be baptised, it means ongoingly and repeatedly. It means constantly living in the river of God. And this makes us uncomfortable because it takes time. But the reality is if you're not willing to soak, you will live on a quarter full. But He wants you to fill, He wants to fill you to the brim so that you don't stutter and just make it through. He wants to fill you with His anointing afresh, but it means you've got to wait. Everyone say, wait. It means you've got to wait, you've got to wait. Jesus said it this way, wait and you shall receive. Okay, let me finish with this in verse 17. The Naaman says, after he gets healed, because he gets in the river, he gets healed. In the river, he gets set free. In the river, he gets revelation. He says, all right, but please allow for me to load two of my mules with earth. With what? With earth from this place. And take it back with me. I love that Naaman doesn't have a shower. He doesn't wash off church and now go into his corporate life. He doesn't wash off the spirit and now I've got to do family. He has river water on him. I think if there's anything our church needs to smell like, it's river water. They need the Spirit of God on us. When people touch us, they touch the Spirit. When they see us, they see the Spirit. When they hear from us, they hear the Spirit. He says, I wanna take some with me. He wants an abundance. God never planned for you just to have enough or just a touch or just a mark. He wants you to have an abundance, an overflow. When I go to a cafe, I don't, I don't just buy a coffee to have there. I always get it in a takeaway cup. Why? Because I want some for now and some on the way home. I just think maybe God's gonna fill you today, but then fill you again when you get home. And then tonight He's gonna fill you afresh. Tomorrow He's gonna fill you afresh. What would happen to a church that didn't come to church to be filled, but lived in the river? This is a take-home spirit. This is a take-to-work spirit. This is a take-to-school spirit. This is a take-to-your-neighbourhood spirit. Some of us just need that river water on us. Come on, stand to your feet. You need to smell the river on you. You need to see the river on you. You need to touch the river on you. And, and, and I don't know for sure because it doesn't say everything that happens, but this is what I imagine with Naaman. He gets in the river and he gets cleansed, but now he's got some river dirt. So I imagine Naaman goes home and, and his flesh is cleaned, but now he gets bumps into someone, he gets a bruise. It's okay, I know where to go. I've got some river at home with me and he gets it on his arm and I imagine oh, he wakes up one morning oh I got a sore back gets him dead rubs it on his back because it's the spirit of God it's the river that heals you it's the river that changes it's the river that sets you free I, I just imagine one day he's anxious he's a leader he's the head of a home he's the lead helping lead a nation he doesn't have the answer and no one understands why but Naaman's walking around with dirt on his head because I just don't go anywhere without the Spirit of God on me. I want if someone leaves him, breaks his heart. But he knows he's got to get some river on me. If you're worried, if you're anxious, if you're just desperate, if you need Jesus, if you've got Jesus, if you want more of Jesus, can I tell you the answer is found in the river of God. The answer is found in the Holy Spirit. The answer is found if you need a touch, if you need a word, if you need an answer, if you are breathing, you need the Holy Spirit. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to 
lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm going to say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what? Maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey. Why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.